Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Um, as you can see, I'm walking normal, which is amazing because... Uh, and it's slightly embarrassing, but Monday I was at work, and I work at GNC. I, I tend to lift weights. I love lifting. I've been lifting for a long time. But for whatever reason, picking up a five-pound drug of protein threw my back out. And uh, so I'm going to blame it on the fact that I lifted it wrong, obviously. But, um, but literally the lower part of my back uh, just, like, crunched on me. And uh, it was, I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. I don't have that kind of time right now. But... But I have very high pain tolerance, but for, like, literally, it's like the worst pain I've felt. But I still came Monday night service. Um, you know, I was in Monday night. It just got worse. I got home. Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, I woke up and just incredible pain. I called my, my, one of my best friends come pick me up, and uh, took me to the hospital, and uh, they did the scans and whatnot, and it came out that I had a, sorry, herniated disc, uh, multiple herniated disc and a bulging disc that they said uh, definitely required surgery. Like, you need to have surgery, this and that, and um, so I'm like, well, that's scary, and this hurts, so now I'm in a, like, double predicament. So Tuesday, I literally, just, and they're like, if you, you're, if you do too much, you know, you can cripple yourself, so they're like, don't do anything, lay down until you go get surgery. So Tuesday, I laid down, I, did, I watched the service online. Uh, but then Wednesday, I was like, I got to get to service. And then I was like, last minute, I was like, I'm not going to get to service because this really is very pain. I was literally, again, high pain tolerance, but I'm like yelling every time I moved. But my wife didn't really give me a lot, a lot of choice because she was like, hey, I'm coming home to pick you and Aiden up. I'm like, oh, well, I can't tell my wife I don't have any faith. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go to service because I'm going to get my healing. And so she picks me up, come to the service. Of course, uh, pastor, you know, calls me out, prays for me, and uh, I was very nervous um, because I was like, you know, you have all these thoughts going in your head, but I was like, I know what the word says. So, you know, in an act of obedience, it came up, and um, I, not only did I start feeling looser as he prayed, uh, but I was able to move. I started regaining flexibility, which I couldn't. Like, literally, this was like all I could do. If anyone saw me Wednesday night, this was all I was doing. And in fact, Dwight actually said earlier, he said that I walked past him, and he said that he felt a twinge in his back, which told him I had back pain. He later said, it was like, you have back pain, and, which he was absolutely right. So, um, but Wednesday night after Pastor prayed, I, you know, I immediately started feeling better. But I'm like, all right, you know, I don't want to... And it was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start speaking it. So, like, even when I got home Wednesday night, I mean, it kept coming back. I kept starting feeling that pain start to come back, and I'd rebuke it because the thing is, is, like, the world will tell you. It, if you listen to the world over the word, it was like, it'll tell you all day long what you have and what you don't have. But the word of God says I'm healed, so I just kept speaking it, and it was all, you know, through the prayer. And so I kept speaking it and speaking it. And finally, now, as you can see, like, I don't have any issue, like, whatsoever. The only pain I'm feeling is probably from overcompensating from my lower back. And that's up here. That's stiff, but that's just normal. So I'm good. I'm healed. That's awesome. And a good report. Come on. Hello, somebody. That's thinking awesome, man. That's thinking awesome. I mean, you get verified on a doctor. Obviously, they took x-rays or whatever, didn't they? Yeah. Come on. Hello, somebody. And the doctor says you have a herniated disc. Hello, you need surgery if you don't get... (laughs) Come on. Hello, somebody. Amen. But Dr. Jesus, come on, the great physician. He's awesome. He's awesome. 
See, that's, you know, that's one of the things, that's the reason why we do continual services. Now, tonight's this, the last night of this go-around. These were just spontaneous services, you know. I felt a release in my heart that Friday night would just, you know, let us see what happens. But it doesn't change what God is doing in the earth today. You know, God is moving, and he'll touch hungry people. It's hungry people that he moves upon. Praise God. Amen. Can you say amen? All right, that was the offering message. If you need an offering envelope, praise God. Amen. Just on the back of your seat, if you would. Um, we've been taking up offerings. No, no pressure. Whatever you feel in your heart to give, just give. And if you need an offering envelope, there's not one there, then you can get one from an usher. Praise God. If you're making out a check, make it out to Life Family Church. If you're given by way of debit card, credit card, please fill it out completely so that the accounting department can run those for you. Praise God. These have been really awesome meetings. I mean, they really have. I'd say Tuesday night, if you were here Tuesday night, OMG. I mean, it was like a Holy Ghost bomb went off in this place. I mean, it was something. It was quite something, you know. And not that it you take away any other night, but that was just really, really good. So tonight's Friday night, and people are getting their paychecks today, and they're making bank deposits, and they're, oh, I'd say they're probably home right now getting dressed getting ready to go out to the bar, you know, down to the Soho district, praise God, amen, down to Hyde Park, getting ready to happy hour, hello somebody, you know, going to have their Michelob and their Budweiser. I don't, I don't understand how Bud could ever make you wiser. I just, I just don't know. I, I see people that drink Budweiser act more stupider than wise, praise God, amen, you know. And so they're, and then probably around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, then they really start getting started. Praise God. Amen. That's when they're going to go to the, <laughs> they're going to go to the, they're going to go to the discos and the honky tonks and, and dance. And then, you know, around 11, 12, 1 in the morning, they're going to start doing the things that they would never thought they'd ever do because they're not really thinking because they've been drinking all night long. Praise God. Amen. And then tomorrow morning, they'll wake up in God knows place where. Praise God. At whose house? At somebody they've never met before. Praise God. Amen. Come on. Hello, somebody. Yeah. And then they'll realize that, you know, they need to sleep in on Sunday morning because they partied, you know, Friday night and Saturday night. And, and, then, and then Monday morning at the office, they get bragging rights. You know, oh, we had a wonderful time. I mean, you should have seen it, man. I'm telling you, we had a blast, man. We partied all night, dude. I was just thinking, awesome. What happened to you Saturday morning? Well, I was puking my guts out in the bathroom, my most favorite place. It was absolutely, it was absolutely wonderful. Come with us next week. And so you'll, have, you'll have a wonderful time. Don't look at me like that. Some of you used to be there. Come on, hello. But you know what tonight's going to be? Tonight's going to be a drinking night, praise God, of the Holy Ghost. It was paid for 2,000 years ago. God sent the mighty Holy Ghost. Come on now. On the day of Pentecost. Right? Can you say amen? amen? And so listen, you know, I just want to let you know it's two for one ladies night and the men drink for free. Praise God. Amen. So you don't worry about it. We just want to welcome you to Joel's place. Joel's. That was just spoken by the prophet Joel. Praise God. Amen. In the last days, God says, I'll pour. You need a drink, sir? Absolutely. Are you? <laughs> well, I guess if it's a former and latter rain, you're going to need an umbrella. Praise God. Amen. Can you say amen? So, uh, that just gave you time to fill out your whatever, praise God. If you're, are you ready to give, say yay. All right, lift your offering toward heaven. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver.
And as we plant seed into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, many souls will be saved because of it. And Father, we just thank you right now that you just touch the area of our finances. Lord, increase us in every area of our lives so that we can have seed to sow at every occasion. And Father, right now, we thank you right now for pay raises. We thank you for bonuses. We thank you for increase, jobs and better jobs, Lord. We just thank you right now that you've never seen the righteous forsaken or your children begging for bread. And Lord, we just thank you right now. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off of God's people's finances in Jesus' name. And right now we loose ministering angels to go forth and influence the wealth of the wicked to be transferred to the righteous according to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. And Lord, we just love you and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Ushers, if you'll serve the people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Tonight I want to talk to you about the proof of the gospel that is true is we have the power of God to back up what we preach. Amen. Amen. If you remove the power of God, signs, wonders, and miracles, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural out of the Bible then you really just have another religious book. That's what that's all about. It wouldn't be any different than the Book of Mormon, the Book of the Koran, and any other religious book if you remove the supernatural out of the Bible. But no, God is supernatural. It's the proof. The supernatural is the proof of what you and I serve is absolutely real. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. No, 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 no. We, we, we've been commissioned by the Lord. And the Apostle Paul understood something about that, and he wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation of the Bible, and then I'm going to read to you out of the King James part, and then I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified. Those are the three Bibles that I like to read out of. Can you say amen? amen. So we look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul talking about the reliance on supernatural power. Now watch what he says here. He says, My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I determined to be consumed by one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting His almighty power. Now let me read to you out of the King James Version. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in a way to a state of weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. That's very interesting. But in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, watch this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Almighty God. Now let me read to you out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says this, As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony, the evidence of the mystery of the secret of God concerning what he had done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Him crucified. And I was passed into a state of weakness and fear and dread and great trembling after I come to you. And my language and my message were not set forth with persuasive, enticing, plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, watch this, a proof by the Spirit of God and the power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions, thus persuading them, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men or human philosophy, but in the power of God. Now, it's very interesting. It says here that it stirred in the minds the most holy emotions. That's what the Amplified says. Isn't it interesting, the great Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, I'm not relying on eloquent speech, human philosophy, as I proclaim to you the Messiah, Christ, Him crucified. But I am relying on the power of God that backs up the message that I'm preaching. Now, I want you to see something here. Because if you watch Christian television or if you watch Facebook and Facebook Live, there is so a heck of a whole lot of talking hands. When they speak, they speak with eloquence. There are great orators. There are so, there's, listen, there are orators. Preach me underneath the table. I mean, it's eloquent speech. And they're proclaiming this gospel but then there's no power backing them up. It's almost like they're putting their trust in their words of wisdom, declaring the gospel. But the Apostle Paul said, don't put your trust in man's words of wisdom or his eloquent speech, but put your trust in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of power. Because that's what's supposed to back up the gospel. Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Did he not say that? Then he said this, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. In my name they will heal the sick. In my name they will speak with new tongues. If they drink anything deadly by accident, it will not hurt them. And in verse 21 says, And the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Now, as believers that are full of the Holy Ghost and full of the Word of God, we should go going out in the world and preaching the gospel to every creature and allow God to flow through you. Allow God to demonstrate His power. If it is true, what Smith Wigglesworth said, and I posted it on my Facebook page, I don't know if anybody saw that or not, but 
And toward the end of that prophecy, he said there will be another revival that will sweep the world and there will be a great harvest of souls, hello, and there will be a healing move like never before. Because he prophesied of the healing revival and he prophesied of the teaching revival, but he said after all that's supposed to be done, there will be another move of God that will be unprecedented than any other move of God. Now, one of the things that was an earmark of that was when this move of God, because it, it, didn't, put, it didn't say all of it, all that prophecy. That was just a general idea of the prophecy. But if you, if you get that prophecy, he talked about the power of God coming to a city, coming to a region, and those that received it would be blessed by it. But those that rejected it, didn't want anything to do with it, would, end, would be like if they ended up on the side of a bank of a river and encrusted over with salt and suffer a result from it. Come on, hello somebody. Indicating that there's got to come to a place where people will embrace the gifts of the Spirit. They will embrace the move of God. That was a good place to say Amen. Spiritual hunger, may I tell you, I say, spiritual hunger triggers the move of God. I got to thinking over the last few days because they were just spontaneous meetings. I'm thinking to myself, what's going to shake Plant City? Brother Don's been here for 50 years. I asked him in the parking lot, we were talking. I said, you've been here for 50 years? He said, yes, sir. I recently asked him, I said, has there ever been a major move of the Holy Ghost in Plant City in 50 years? He said, no, there's never been a major move of God. Now, there's churches that are having revival. There's churches that are having revival. They're meeting tonight here in Plant City, and they're having revival. I wonder if all those churches that are having revival would just get together. I wonder, I mean, why do we have to do things separately? Why can't we all just come together? You know, I bet you if every church, every pastor of every church here in Plant City would let the power of God fall Sunday morning. I wonder if there'll be revival in Plant City. I mean, there's 160 churches in Plant City in a 22 by 20 mile radius. Come on, it's like a buffet. Praise God, amen. You can just pick what you want to pick. Go where you want to go. Well, I just, I just like the praise and worship over here, but I certainly like the preaching over here. As a matter of fact, why don't I just drop my kids off at the nursery and then we can go to breakfast and wait for about an hour or so and then we can come back and pick up our kids. Praise God, amen. Hello, somebody. I mean, God sent us to Plant City. We've been here for nine years. It's not like we haven't swung the bat. We've swung the bat really, really hard. Come on now. We, in 2017, we rented the Plant City Stadium. We did the first ever Easter event at Plant City Stadium. We had 2,500 people show up at Plant City Stadium. We gave out over 30,000 eggs. Come on, hello, somebody. We go soul winning on Saturdays. It's not like we've swung the bat. It's not like we haven't prayed. It's not like we haven't fasted. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Well, God is looking for a hungry people, a thirsty people, people that will cry out to God, that will take their Friday night, just like you, and come out to a service. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. And we're not talking about just any other service. We're talking about a service where the word of God is preached and then the supernatural will come. I got to make, make this announcement. The supernatural is going to be displayed tonight. I, I say that all the time. Places that I go, I tell I'm supernatural. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. And then when God shows up, then it depends on how we're, they're at spiritually, on how hungry they are. Because sometimes what happens is when the supernatural shows up, people go, my, my God, what is going on? And then they hit the door running. Praise God. They'll either hit the altar running or they'll hit the door running. Praise God. Amen. 
But you know what? It's not going to stop us. We're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on doing. We're going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on demonstrating. Jesus said to do it, so therefore I like Jesus. I love him a lot. Praise God. Amen. And he said to go do it, so you know, I'll just take him at his word, and then I'll go and do it. But you have to understand in these last days, it's not going to be about just any one preacher. It, you know, it's, it's almost like this. It's like the, some of the you know, preachers that have risen up and they, they preach on the subject of revival and they, they, they demonstrate the power and then people start attacking them. No, what's going to happen is, is that this, the, it's going to sweep the whole earth. The whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. And so this outpouring is going to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Hello, somebody. And you know what? If they attack one, they're going to be attacking us all. Because we're all gonna, <laughs> we're all gonna be flowing in the Holy Ghost. We're all gonna be doing demonstrations of Holy Spirit and power. You'll walk into a room, whole hospitals will be cleared out. Hello, somebody. Walk into the, you walk into the ICU where you just go visit somebody that's in there, and suddenly you just walk by the room, and all of a sudden people start shouting. They're pulling the IVs out of their arms. They're getting out of their beds, clearing out, <laughs> clearing out whole hospitals. Come on now. I think Lakeland Regional has been building new buildings for the last couple years. I mean, they're running out of room. That's okay. Let them fill up. Because it'll just take one believer full of the Holy Ghost of power to clean it all out. You know one thing about me? This is the way about me. Whether I'm on a platform preaching to 30, 40,000 people overseas or whether I'm in a room with 40 or 50 people, I preach the same way. I preach like I'm standing in front of crowds. Come on, hello, somebody. I mean, this coming June, we're going to Barahona, Dominican Republic. I guarantee you there'll be at least between 15 to 1,000 people in that meeting. I'm just going to tell you there. And then when we go to the country of Burma in November, it could run anywhere between 10,000 up to 30,000 people. See, it doesn't matter to me. Come on now, I'm like Philip. I can leave a crusade in a city and go and attach myself to a chariot with a eunuch in it. Praise God. Amen. You know, that's a move of God right there. Praise God. Amen. Come on. Hello, somebody. No difference to me. I'm going to preach like I'm preaching to thousands, even if I have to preach to the one. Amen. What I'm looking for and what God is looking for is a hungry people. There's, there's 36,000 people in Plant City. There's got to be at least 120 hungry people in Plant City. I mean, there's got to be. I mean, there's got 36,000 people, and there's got to be at least 120. I can believe God for 120 because at least that was on the day of Pentecost. Hello, somebody. That was at least in First Chronicles. Come on, First Chronicles chapter 7, there was 120 trumpeters. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. And, and then in the book of Acts, there was 120 in the upper room. So I, 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 I can be biblical. I can say, is there 120? Listen, Plant City, if you're watching, are there 120 of you that want the Word of God, that want the Spirit of God, that want an outpouring, that your whole life has changed, your family's changed, your, your kids are changed? There's got to be. Come on, hello, somebody. There's got to be at least. Are there 120 pastors out of 160 churches that are hungry for a move of God? Let's get together. Let's get our congregations together. Let's preach the gospel. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Presbyterian. I don't care if you're Methodist. I don't care if you're Church of God. I don't care if you're Assembly of God. I don't care if you're Pentecostal. I don't care who you are. I think we ought to come together. 
I think we ought to rely on Psalms 133 and verse 1. How wonderful and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It is like oil, the oil of the Holy Ghost poured upon Aaron, which was symbolic of the church. Come on, hello somebody. Man, it's good news. You know, when we first started out on, on Sunday night, we were talking about the hunger of God. And then it led over into the yielding to the Spirit of God. And then we talked about signs and wonders. And then last night we talked about the condition of one's heart. Amen. Yeah, because that's where God can do His greatest work in one's heart. Nine times out of ten people get ourselves, we get all, all of us get ourselves into trouble because our hearts aren't right. And if the heart is the root of the problem, that's where God can do His greatest work. Revival begins in a person's heart. And it's all accumulated to hunger, to yielding, to surrendering. That's what it is. Now, as believers, Jesus gave us the great commission. It's not the great omission. It's the great commission. We're not omitted to anything. Come on, hello somebody, when it comes to the Word of God. No, we are committed to everything in the Word of God. There is no omission in the Word of God when it comes to the believer. I think we just have to realize that we are full of the Holy Ghost and power. Bible, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7, I think it is, or 4, verse 8, or uh, let me see, 4, verse 16, First, three, First Corinthians three sixteen. Praise God! Is not your body the temple? It's somewhere in there. I had to check the memory bank. Praise God! First Corinthians three sixteen. Is not your body the temple of the Holy Ghost? And God dwells in there. You're the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. God lives in you. The God of the universe lives. Makes us home. Makes us bone. Puts his feet on the stool inside you. Kicks back. And I think if we would realize that, if we would realize that we may be the only hands, that we may be the only feet, that our mouth may be the only mouthpiece. I was recently at one of our clients and, and uh, one of the workers at, at, the, at the facility we were at, she came walking out and she was limping. Sorry, limping. So I just said to her, I said, uh, I see you. Did you hurt your leg or something like that? She said, no. She said, I, when I came this morning to work, I stepped off the curb of a sidewalk. And when I did, I stepped off wrong and I threw my hip out and my back. And I've been in pain all day long. I think I'm just going to have to go to the doctor. And I said, well, would you mind if I prayed for you? She paused for a brief second, looked at me strange. She said, when do you ever hear that? She actually made that statement. She said, when do you ever hear that? Sure, you can pray for me. I said, okay. I said, just stay where you are. Put your hand right on your hip. So I put my hand on her, and I just said this simple prayer. In the name of Jesus, all the ligaments, all the tendons, all the muscles, the serve muscles, in Jesus' name, I command them to totally relax. I command the hip to go back into place. I command the lower back to be adjusted. In Jesus' name. And I took my hand off. That's all I did. That's all I did. It wasn't like I'd been spending 40 days and 40 nights in prayer and fasting. No, I just said, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. And so as soon as she moved her hand, I said, move. And why did you say move? But so she could exercise her faith. Come on, hello, somebody. Jesus walked up to a man in the New Testament. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And do you know what he did? 
He rose, took up a bed and walked. Hello, somebody. Amen. And so I just said, why don't you just take a walk? And so she took a walk. She took one step, another step. She looked at me and this shock looked at my, she said, I have no more pain. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then watch this. Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? She said, yes. I said, would you like to rededicate your life? I certainly would. Come on. Hello, somebody. Isn't that amazing? If she wasn't saved, would have got her saved based upon Jesus healing her. Oh, imagine that. God healing somebody who's not saved. I think sometimes God heals somebody that's not saved on the verge of knowing they'll get saved. (laughs) Because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I mean, if you're in pain and you're in sorrow and the great physician, the master, heals you, man, you'd want to give your heart to the one who just healed you. Amen. And then she recently, through one of my officers, told me, hey, listen, I have a, my, one of my cousins or something is in Miami and has cancer. Would you go pray for them? And we're getting ready to go in Miami next week. Hallelujah. It'll come a time. Listen to me. It'll come a time that the body of Christ as a whole will be without spot, wrinkle, and blemish, will be so full of the glory of God where you, it's just a simple, it's just simple. Your presence walking into a place, people will be healed. You just walk into a place. You may walk by somebody in a wheelchair and your shadow touches them and then they come right out of the wheelchair. I don't know if you really believe that or not. Praise God. Amen. Well, just stick around. Make sure you stay on the earth. Stick around. Praise God. Amen. And then you'll get to see it. It will be like it was and more so, even more so, like a hundred times more so during the healing revival of 1949 through 59, where it was just so easy for people to get healed. It'll be that easy. You, you, you got to know that in your spirit, man. You got to know that we're living in the last days. You, you, if you cannot see what's happening, I mean wars, rumors of wars and pestilence and people's hearts growing cold. Come on, hello somebody. It's getting worse and worse. Some preachers say, oh, it's just going to get better and better and better. Better for the church, worse for the world. Hello somebody. Better for the believer. Come on, hello. But that doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted. Come on, hello somebody. No, we're living in the New Testament. We have the victory. We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of our testimony. Now, isn't it interesting here, the Apostle Paul, he recognized that he needed power in his life. He needed power. He realized that. The Bible says that he went to the the city of Athens. And as he was walking into the city of Athens, he saw a, a monument and it said, To the unknown God. Yeah. See, Athens, Greece, you know, the Greeks, they, all these gods, and where there's false gods, there's a lot of demonic activity when there's false gods. Come on, hello, somebody. Because that's how demons manifest themselves through the false gods to deceive people. So the supernatural in Athens, Greece, was extraordinary. I mean, there was unusual demonic activity. And I know what my Bible says. My Bible says where wickedness abounds, God's grace abounds even more. Well, I says, when wickedness goes here, because grace runs so deep, wickedness meets grace. 
It's not that grace has to catch up to wickedness. Grace is even deeper than wickedness. So when wickedness goes here, it meets God's grace. When wickedness goes here, it's already meeting God's grace. What does that mean? That means there'll be an increase of the power of God. The wickeder the world gets, the increase of the power of God, we're far past it. That's what happens. So how do you know that? Because when Moses went to Pharaoh, those, those false wizards could only do so many miracles. And then when Moses was doing more miracle things, more than the wizards, the wizards even said, this is the hand of God. So that, give, that tells you that God's grace is greater than wickedness no matter how deep wickednesses get. And wickedness comes from men's hearts. So when you start seeing these things, when you start hearing these things, you, when you start hearing that they pass laws to kill babies that are brand new born out of the womb, if the mother doesn't want it, and they pass laws to say, yes, you can do it, that's wickedness. You have lost your ever-loving mind. You are now demon-possessed. Because only a demon-possessed person would actually pass that law and believe that it was okay to kill a human being. If you go out to Clearwater Beach and you kill a sea turtle in the egg, you got to go to prison. But it's okay in some states to kill a baby outside the womb. You've lost your ever-loving mind. Did you know that? Did you know? I think it's a $100,000 fine and you go to prison for five years. You kill a turtle and an egg, a sea turtle. You lost your mind. When you start seeing that more and more and more and more and more and more, you know, men's hearts are growing cold. They're growing colds. Then you know God's grace and God's power and God's miraculous power will be made manifest. In the book of Acts, go to the book of Acts, chapter 19, if you would please. The book of Acts, chapter 19. Thank you, Jesus. Acts, chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, if you would please. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And the Bible says that God wrought special miracles, special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Special miracles. Unusual miracles. When you look up that word special miracles and you study that out, basically it gives the connotation that if someone had no arm, an arm would grow out in the service. If someone came in with no legs, legs would form and grow out. There was this one time Smith Wigglesworth was in a town and a guy came in with a wooden leg from the knee down. It was a wooden peg. Call him Brother Pegleg. So Brother Pegleg came one of the services. So all of a sudden, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, he laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he said, listen, 
I want you to go down to the shoe store. I want you to buy a pair of shoes, and I want you to put them on. He didn't argue with Smith Wigglesworth. He said, sure, okay. So the next day, he went down to the shoe store, kind of pegged his way in there. Praise God, amen. All of a sudden, he sat down. And he said, listen, I want a size nine and a half, and I want a pair of those shoes. He said, okay, sir, fine. So the clerk went into the back room, got himself a pair of nine and a half shoes that he wanted and everything. And all of a sudden, he stuck his good foot out there, the right foot. And sure enough, you know, he put the shoe on, it fit really well. And all of a sudden, when he went to put the other shoe on, he realized that there was a peg. And the clerk was about to say, sir, you have a peg leg, but the peg man, praise God, amen, brother peg leg, he said, put it on anyway. So all of a sudden, he slipped the shoe over the peg, and suddenly flesh began to form over the wooden peg. He said, quickly, put it all the way on, and suddenly a foot formed right into the shoe. God wrought special miracles. Special miracles. I heard Dr. Ronnie tell of a story of a young man he was single, didn't have a job, but he was totally led by the Spirit of God in everything that he said and everything that he did. He totally lived by faith, which is a good thing. Didn't have a job, totally lived by faith. And every morning when he'd wake up, the first thing out of his mouth was, Holy Spirit, what would you like to do today? He'd always get in direction from God. Praise God. So one particular morning when he woke up, he said, Holy Spirit, what would you like to do today? He said, today you're going on a trip. He said, okay, all right, well, what would you want me to do? He said, pack a bag. And he said, get, go and get ready. So he went and packed a small bag and everything. So he thought to himself, well, you know, if I'm going to go somewhere, I might as well go to the airport. So he went to the airport, see, and all of a sudden when he got there, he's standing around and he's just thinking to himself, you know, somebody's going to walk up at any moment, get him a ticket to wherever he needed to go. But 20 minutes by and nobody walked up to him. So he thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just stand in line. So he's just standing in line and everything, and he's waiting, and one person's ahead of him, next person's ahead of him, and all of a sudden, the, the, the lady, the stewardess lady said, come on up, I'll take care of your ticket. And he said, well, you know, I'm just not quite ready, I'll get right back in line. So he went on the side, and he's still waiting. Suddenly, he just asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he said, I want you to go to the men's room. So the guy went to the men's room, and he's standing around. Five minutes went by, and ten minutes went by. Now, you've got to be real careful when you're a man just standing in the men's room. It'd be kind of unusual, you know, this guy standing in there by himself. So he kind of quickly asked the Lord. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, I want you to go and step into the stall and close the door behind you. He said, okay, I can do that. So he walked into the stall, closed the door behind him, locked it. Then he said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to open the stall door. When he opened the stall door, he was in a foreign country. He went from the United States and was translated into a foreign country. And he went and preached the gospel in a foreign country. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. Philip the Evangelist in the book of Acts. The Bible says when he baptized the eunuch, the Bible says that the Spirit of God caught him away. Hello? Why should these things surprise us? What is it? Special miracles by the hands of Paul. Special miracles, unusual happenings, unusual things. I remember my wife, Pastor Marie, she's up visiting my grandson right now up in Charleston. Praise God, she'll be back um, Monday. And it was his birth, one-year birthday and all that kind of stuff. Today, he drove up there. But there was this time we were in the country of Nicaragua. 
And we visited this church, and it was probably about five to 600 people in this church. And when my wife, you know, she's very sensitive to the Spirit of God, and I'm standing there, and she says, she just sensed something was wrong, something was wrong. And so all of a sudden, you know, she's trying to find the pastor's wife because we kind of showed up a little late and we were sitting on the front row and the pastor was sitting on the other side. I hadn't met them yet, even though we were invited to come and minister. And we were actually ministering and then we were going to catch an airplane on the way back to the States. So, you know, all of a sudden my wife just felt, you know, led of the Lord to give her her watch. And this watch was very special to her because this watch um, she had want, uh, worn to every mission trip she'd been on. It was her missions watch. And she said, okay, okay, Lord, I'll just give her my watch. So she went, you know, after the end of the service, she said, hey, listen, I just thanks for having us come. I just want to bless you. And so Marie went to put the watch on her wrist, but it was, it, there was something, it, it didn't fit really well. You know, it was kind of tight or something like that. And, and then all of a sudden, Marie, Pastor Marie, she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I must have missed it and all that kind of stuff and hope she'll, she'll be blessed by it and things like that. Well, three months later, when we came back to do the crusade, because that was kind of a preliminary journey, well, all of a sudden at the pastor's dinner, and there was about 100 pastors there and their wives, and suddenly Marie's making her way to the tables, introducing herself, Well, she came among this couple that we had been in like 90 days earlier. And this woman was absolutely beautiful. She was flourishing. She looked really well. And she said, you don't, you don't understand what happened. Well, what happened? And then through the translator, the pastor's wife began to tell Pastor Marie, my wife, the story of what happened. She said, you don't understand. I, I, I had a terminal illness. I was dying. The doctors had given me up for dead. And when you gave me your watch, she said, I kept it on 24-7. And she said, I just recently went to the doctor and she said, I got a clean bill of health. Come on, somebody. Special miracles. Well, you mean to tell me if God couldn't, if God used handkerchiefs and aprons, he couldn't use a watch? Hello, somebody. Come on now. Amen. Unusual signs, wonders, and miracles. And you know what? And it wasn't any, Marie didn't even pray for her. Just gave her the watch. Was an obedient. Listen, it wasn't the watch. Come on now. It, it, it was just, it was a tool. It was, it was something that she could put her faith on. Hello, somebody. Amen. Come on. My God, it was something special to my wife's heart. She had wore that watch to every crusade, every time we went overseas. And so that was kind of very sentimental to her. Hello. It very, meant something to her. But my God, if it saves a woman from dying too early, hello, somebody, and they get healed, why not? Special miracles. Special signs and wonders and miracles. See, we, we shouldn't get so, so upset when the joy breaks out on us or some people get drunk in the Holy Ghost. We're drunk in the Holy Ghost. We mean drunk. What do you mean? Listen, people all week went to happy hour this week. I'm serious. They start talking about it in the office about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, are you going out to Billy Joe's for a drink or two? Come on, hello. Yeah, we're going to go out to Billy Joe's for a drink or two. They go to happy hour. Come on, hello somebody all week long, right? Well, let me ask you this. Why is it that we get people saved, get them healed and delivered out of a lifestyle that causes destruction, killing, stealing, and destroying, and then we want to bring them in the church, and we give them new, no, no new wine to drink, no healing bread to eat. We want them to become religious just like us. Come on, hello somebody. And then all of a sudden you take somebody like that and in about three or four months they're all stiff-necked and hard-hearted and they're thinking, my God, I gave up all this for this? 
No, we, I think Jesus wants to give them something a little better. I don't think he wants them to satisfy with a counterfeit. Come on, hello, somebody. I think he wants them full of the Holy Ghost, full of joy. Come on now. I, I discovered, man, you get drunk. In the, it's getting to a point now in the church, everybody needs to get drunk at least once a week. Praise God, amen. The way their week is going, my God. Why do you think the world are going to the bars, going to happy hour? I got good news for you. Tonight's happy hour won't cost you anything. Come on now. And you know what? That which destroys people's lives, God's about to bless your life. Amen. So step up to the bar. Even the young people, this is the place for legalized drinking in the Holy Ghost. Praise God for minors. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Get these kids. I wish I, when I was young, these kids young, oh my gosh, being in services like this. Oh my gosh. It would have saved me a whole heck of a lot of trouble. My gosh. I, I, I never knew what these kids are experiencing. Josh, your kids, I never knew what they're experiencing. They'll realize that God is just too good. Hang on, just get drunk in the. <laughs> kids, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds getting drunk in the Holy Ghost, intoxicated. You'll be like, my God, never want to do drugs, have premarital sex, or do any alcohol. God's too good. Todd's too good. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Jesus said, Suffer not the little children, bring them unto me. And he blessed them. Do, do you not think that the disciples didn't get drunk? In the Holy Ghost? Absolutely they got drunk in the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello somebody. They did. Jesus at one time said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, hello somebody. When you just sit there and like, whoa, thank you for the cool breeze, Jesus. But uh, you need a mint, brother. (laughs) No. No, come on now. No, no, no. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Lord Jesus, but come on, hello, somebody. You don't think when he breathed on them, they didn't fall out on the floor? I bet you they did. Oh, what's the scripture in that? Okay, well, since you asked, praise God, go to the book of John chapter 18. Go to the book of John chapter 18. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody watching right now on Facebook. God's falling in your right now. God's falling right now, right where you're at. The Holy Spirit is filling you right now. Just let that joy bubble out of your belly. Right now, in Jesus' name, receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. John chapter 18. You'll like this. This is awesome. John chapter 18 and verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook of Cedron, where there was a garden into which he entered in disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then receiving a band of men and officers from the chief police and the Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. How did you know that was in there? You know now? 
they went backward and fell to the ground. A band of men equaled between three to six hundred. This band of men were the Roman soldiers, were the temple police. They were the bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? The Bible said they came with torches and weapons. They came with six, three to six hundred of the most elite Roman soldiers, temple police, with stabs, with knives, with clubs, with all the weapons of that time. They came to get Jesus and 11 dudes. Why would it take an entire platoon? An entire platoon. Three to six hundred. Anybody ever served in the military? Let me see. Three to six hundred platoon right around there. Depends how big the platoon is. Okay, there you go. All right, so yeah, 50 to 16, you have 600. So therefore, how many platoons are in that? There you go. No, 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 no. The most, listen, I wonder what was happening. Why did it take 600 of the most elite? Uh, you know, I was watching a documentary the other day about some of the special forces in, in nations, like the 10 top special forces in the world. The United States has a force called Delta Force, which is actually the number one, we're number one most elite trained special forces in the world. And those guys run four or five. Four or five in a team, six in a team, SEAL Team Six. Hello, come on, somebody. So these were the Delta Force. These were the elite of the elite coming to get Jesus and 11 other guys. Why do you say 11? Because Judas was with them. Suddenly, Jesus knew what was going to happen. So he walked out to see these guys coming with torches and lampons and weapons. And he said, who are you looking for, right? They said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am. Now, the word he was put in there by the translators. We're looking for I am. And when he said, I am he, the Bible says an unseen force hit them, and they all fell to the ground. Watch what happened. This is really awesome. Watch what happened. Verse 6, And as soon as he had said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Who are you looking for? So he kind of made fun of them. Think about that for a second. He's praying, right? He's in the garden, right? Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross. The disciples are sleeping. Hello. He went to them two or three times and said, boys, you going to sleep? Can't you not stay awake and pray with me at least one hour unless you fall into temptation? There's the answer to temptation. Pray in the Holy Ghost an hour a day. Ooh, hallelujah. 
Can you not at least pray one hour lest you fall into temptation? If you pray an hour today, come on, hello, somebody. It'll, it'll keep Satan the temptation away. Praying in the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, he walks out to see them, and all of a sudden, they asked him. Who, he says, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And as they fell out, he was like, who are you looking for? <laughs> come on, really? They're out in the bar. He's out. They're out. Hello? The Bible says that Jesus said, no man takes my life. I willingly lay it down. Now watch, watch, watch what's happening here. Whom seek thee? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying may be fulfilled which he spake of them, of them which thou gavest me, I have not lost one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest on the servant of the ear. That was Malchus, and the servant's name was Malchus. Okay, so I want you to picture this scene. Before we do, go to the book of Mark 14. We're going to take a look at something else. Mark 14. Go to Mark 14. What are we talking about tonight? Unusual signs and wonders. Unusual miracles. So all of a sudden, here's Jesus. He's in the garden. He's getting ready to go to the cross. All of a sudden, he looks up. He sees this platoon of soldiers with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus comes on the scene, says, who are you looking for? He said, Jesus is another. I am he. Boom. They all fell out in the power of God. Then he asked them again, who are you looking for? They stand up and they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I told you that I am he. Let these therefore go, that it may be fulfilled, which thou hast given me. I have not lost one. Then suddenly, Peter, a concealed weapons permit holder, pulls out a sword and cuts the ear off of the servant of the high priest. Now, he meant to split the melon. Malchus just ducked. Other portions of Scripture says that Jesus knelt down, picked up his ear, and put it back on his head. <laughs> Could you imagine Malchus at the trial? Blood all over him. He's messing with his ear the whole time. And he's thinking, why are we trying to kill this guy? I mean, really? Really? It gets better. Watch this. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 43. Same story, different perspective. Verse 43. And immediately while he spoke, Judas, one of the twelve, went with him, and a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given him a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss... That is the same he, take him and lead him away safely. Now, I want to talk about that kiss. Have you ever noticed over in those Arab nations when one Arab king or dictator meets another Arab king or dictator, and they, they kind of meet and they peck each other on the cheek, right? Let me tell you what that means. What that means is, is your enemies are my enemies. My army is your army. Your army is my army if I have need of it. Ever heard of the kiss of death? You want to know where it came from? Right here. Judas kiss. 
the kiss of death. That's the reason why in other portions of Scripture, Jesus said, Judas, with a kiss? You did that with a kiss? Why is that? Because when you did that, it was almost like, I, I, I got your back. I, I, I have your uttermost trust. So it was a shocking thing that Judas would betray Jesus, whom he'd been with for three and a half years. You've got to understand something. Judas raised the dead. Judas cleansed lepers. Judas cast out devils. Remember he sent out the 12? Come on, hello somebody. Cast out devils. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Freely you receive. Freely give. And then he sent out the 12 with the 70? Come on, hello somebody. And all of a sudden, here's Judas. Judas with a kiss? Now watch this. Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him, watch this, and lead him away safely. That just shows you the, the deception. Judas knew that Jesus was giving the Pharisees and the Sadducees a really hard time. Come on. Not only that, Judas was a thief. He was the accountant for the ministry. So he's like, hey, listen, I'll deliver him to you. I know he's giving you a rough time, but hey, boys, it's just going to cost you some money. So his greed overtook him. Greed was the open the door to the enemy for coming into his life. He was full of Satan. Come on home, somebody. But isn't it interesting? You told him, say, here he is. Listen, he's a good guy. Don't worry about him. Just lead him away safely. See, that just kind of shows you deception. He goes on to say here, lead him away safely. And they took him, verse 46. And they laid hands on them and they took him. And one of them stood by, drew a sword, and smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said unto them, Are you come out against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I was with you daily in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but the scripture must be fulfilled. And they all forsake, forsake him and fled. Now watch this, verse 51 and 52. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid a hold of him and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Where'd that dude come from? Easter cantatas today don't have nothing on the Bible, I'm going to tell you right now. Because this is the Easter cantata story. All right, so picture this scene, right? You got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He sees this huge platoon of military personnel. He walks out and he says, hey, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. Boom, they all fall out. He makes fun of them. Who are you looking for? They get up. Peter draws a sword, cuts the servant of the high priest's ear off. He said, put away your sword. He put the ear back on the melon and out of nowhere comes this naked man running through the garden. I mean, just where, where did that, where did that dude come from? Where did that, where where did that <laughs> where did that guy I mean I wonder I mean don't picture the scene I just kind of wonder praise God amen I mean just wonder where did that guy come from 
And why did they try to grab him? Now, this is about two or three in the morning. I mean, maybe because of Roman soldiers. I mean, when they're marching through the city, they're going to kind of make some noise. I mean, I could imagine probably the guy got up, you know, from sleeping. Maybe he was disturbed, put a robe on kind of thing. And he's like, hey, Ethel, how you doing? There's a big crowd over there. Let me go find out what's going on. Really? You want to go and invade an entire platoon with swords and staffs? You really want to go find out what's going on? Ethel, they're over there in the garden. I'll be back. Where'd that guy come from? That word, robe, has two meanings. One meaning is a night robe. And the second meaning means grave clothes. Next to the garden of Gethsemane, and I have found this out because I asked somebody recently who went to Israel that went to the garden of Gethsemane. I asked them, What's next to the Garden of Gethsemane? They said, a graveyard. So when Jesus came out and said, I am, not only did 600 people fall to the ground, but that power, unusual signs and wonders, went to that graveyard and raised a man from the dead. Right out of the grave. No wonder they tried to grab that guy. Imagine his testimony at the trial. My my thought is, where did he go? I mean, mean, really, where did the guy go? Where did he go? Where did he go? I bet you he went back home. Via the tree. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, my God. You, you ain't got no clothes. You're running through the desert. <laughs> I mean, really? Where'd that guy go? I wonder if he was married and had some kids. I mean, I mean imagine this. His name was Billy Bob. And his, wife name was, and his wife's name was Ethel. So here's, here's Ethel, right? She's probably grieving. Because her hus- she just buried her husband. Hello, come on, somebody. And all of a sudden, she's like, Lord, I miss him so much, Lord. I mean, we could at least have four days. We know four days before maggots set in. You can go, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, Lazarus was about four days. So any time after four days, you're probably in trouble, right? Praise God. I mean, so let's just say it's about three or four days that this guy had been in the grave already. Praise God. She's like, yes, oh, God, my, huh, I miss Billy Bob so much, Lord. If I could just hear his voice one more time, I'd be comforted. Ethel, oh, Lord. Uh, are you letting me hear? Ethel! Ethel! Open the door! It's drafty out here! <laughs> Easter cantatas are coming in April. It will not do it justice. I'm just going to tell you right now. The, you, the, What are we talking about? Unusual signs and wonders. Unusual miracles. Special miracles. 
Wow. You know, when I read the Bible, I just don't read the pages. I don't read the words. I, I go, okay, what's going on here? How's this happening? What's the story really like? I mean, what's really going on here? Why, 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 did, why did David go get five stones and not just one stone? Because Goliath had four other brothers. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering, why did Jesus say, I am? Well, that means anything and everything that you need is all wrapped up in I am. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am the way maker. I am the resurrection and the life. I am whatever you may need is all wrapped up in I am. I am more than enough. I am El Shaddai. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am Jehovah Sikkanu. I am that I am. It's all wrapped up in I am. Whatever you need. So I mean, I'll look at it. Listen, I've been to Jesus' crusades. I saw him raise the dead. I saw the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. Where did you see it? On the pages of the book. This is the most exciting book you ever read. My God, you got fornicators, adulterers, prostitutes, giant killers. Come on. Hello, somebody. You got lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. I'm serious. You got to... You got Roman soldiers. You got kids with slingshots killing nine and a half foot giants. My God, it's the best book you'll ever read. Listen, the days of our lives ain't got nothing on the book of God. Come on, hello, somebody. General Hospital needs to close down. It's been going on for 55 years, and people have been on that show for 55 years, and they've married everybody and divorced everybody. Now the kids are marrying the kids, and the kids from them are marrying the kids from them. Some of the kids are marrying the parents. This is the best book you'll ever read right here. I'm going to tell you, it's the most exciting thing. Where do you think all the movies come from? Come on now, look at Star Wars. I'm one with the force. The force is in me. I'm one with the force. The force is in me. I'm one with the force. The force is in me. I'm one with the force. The force is in me. Come on now, Rogue. I like that. I got that video at home. I might plug it in after the service. Praise God. Amen. And watch Star Wars. Praise God. I like that part. The force is in me. I'm one with the force. The force is in me. I'm one with the force. You know, isn't it interesting? People, they'll watch these movies, you know, and they'll see the Jedi kind of thing. And they'll wave their hand, and somebody will go flying to the floor. Praise God. Amen. But you know what? When a preacher waves his hand, and people fall into the power of God, they freak. They they, they panic. What's going on? Oh, I know that. That's the spirit of the Jedi. I saw that recently. Luke. Luke, use the force, Luke. <laughs> and some little green guy with pointy ears starts, <laughs> and something starts to levitate. <laughs> Listen, we're bringing out both guns tonight. Praise God. Amen. We're just going to let her rip, Tater Chip. Praise God. 
Luke, Luke, some little green demon about this big. There was one video footage, that thing, that Yodo, that Obi, Obi whatever, Nobi, Obi nobody know, pray God, amen. He's, he's in the air flipping all around. I said, that's so stupid. That was the most stupidest scene. A little green demon guy flying all around. You need a flash water for that sucker. It's a be- it's it's a Beelzebub. <laughs> just get that just get that Beelzebub. <laughs> Lord of the flies. Come on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, I was in a service in Arkansas. And we didn't have anybody to play the piano, but somebody plugged in the theme of Star Wars. And when they got up to try to play it, they hit that thing. I said, let it play. You want the fire God come? Everybody lining up. Fire, 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 fire. I thought, my God, he can move during Star Wars, the theme of Star Wars. That is the absolute true story. I said, play it again. <laughs> Alberta is trying to get over the naked guy running through the garden. Praise God, eh? <laughs> like, my God, I can't get off of that. Praise the Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. So why should we be shocked when God begins to show up? Listen, I I know sometimes there's excesses. Come on now. I, I know that. But I think we ought to strive for balance. We should have a balance between the Word and the Spirit. That's what this last move is all about. It's not about tickling people's ears. It's about preaching the word of God in, 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 in reality, in reality. It's preaching the word of God, doctrinally correct, and then allowing God to come and the Holy Ghost to come and confirm it and come and perform it however he wants to do it, which is an awesome thing. When, we, when, the, when there's a genuine move of the Holy Ghost, when there's a genuine move of the supernatural, we should embrace that. And I'm not talking about hype or emotionalism or really trying to make something happen. No, I'm talking about hooking up with the Holy Ghost. Listen, in these meetings, and what we do here, we let the Holy Ghost do it. If he wants to interrupt, let him interrupt. Come on now, if he wants to manifest or he wants to do something, just step out, just step out of the way and let him do it. And we should do that even in our own lives. We're on the verge. We're right on the verge. And if you were to check your spirit, man, you know we're right on the verge. You just know it. You, you see the things in the world, and then you see what's happening in the church. I would not be a part of a church that didn't flow in the gifts of the Spirit in these last days. I just wouldn't be. I mean, I'm not down on the God's, it's God's body. It's Jesus' body. But man, I, I have to have more than, than just a Sunday morning sermon to tickle my ear to make me feel good. I, I got to have more than that. I got to, I can't, you can't survive today. People aren't surviving today. They're in desperate, desperation. They're looking. 
And what are they going to? They're going to drugs and alcohol to try to fill that void that only the Holy Ghost can fill. So it's got to change in the church. The church has got to be much different than the world's. That's a good place to say amen. (laughs) That's a real good place to say amen. Yeah, and we should allow God to have his way in our lives. Now, when when your heart's open to the Holy Ghost, then it's much easier because you can receive deep things. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.